love that. I'm delighted. Well, this morning, this morning on Thanksgiving Sabbath, it's always the Sabbath right after Thanksgiving. We're glad you could join us and be with us. Glad you made the trip into the church if you did, and to welcome everyone this morning. This is a wonderful time for we like to give thanks, don't we? Give thanks, and it's a good reminder about giving thanks to our God and and sharing this. Give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. Isn't that a wonderful text coming out of the Psalm 118? Write it there, it just says, give thanks unto the Lord, and certainly a wonderful text for this Thanksgiving season that we have. Well, perhaps Thanksgiving was a lot different for you because of COVID-19. Perhaps that you were traveling and had to keep masks on with your family. I don't know how many got together. We just stayed in our house, and we just kept ourselves safe. We just kept, uh, kept our distance from people because it's, a, it's an issue with us in our little family. But maybe, maybe it isn't so much with you. And I know we've had some people that have been sick and have recovered, and we've praised God for that. Some of them have not, and we are worried about them happening. So Thanksgiving this year was far different than any of us had ever expected that it would be. I got this note that said, I would like to personally thank all of you who are vegetarians. Okay, I made that up. Maybe you knew that. But Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving um, officially began as a national holiday by Abraham Lincoln. I don't know if you knew that. Abraham Lincoln said, we're going to have a national holiday on the last Thursday of the month of November to give thanks to God for the gratitude that we have for what he has done for us here in America. I understand Canada has one, but not on the same day. Maybe you can get to eat twice like that. I don't know. But great day for Thanksgiving and giving and sharing with that. The Mayflower Pact, in which the pilgrims well they start out as puritans they left england because of religious persecution and they came across to the new land to the new world and as they came they made this mayflower pact before they ever got on shore they made this pact. it was like their constitution this is that this is how we're going to be as people this is how we're going to have our lives together so they made this pact together and when they came onto the shore they were so grateful and they landed at plymouth now, I've been to Plymouth Rock. I think many of you may have been to Plymouth Rock and seen that. I now see that they've put a big guard around it. First time I saw it, it was just kind of hanging out there. But I understand people have been chipping off pieces of, of uh, Plymouth Rock and taking it home. No, don't you do that. But that happened in 1620. Can you believe that? 1620. That was a long time ago. But they came and to establish a new world to escape religious persecution and in doing so the first thanksgiving happened after they almost starved a lot of them died but they'd had a bountiful harvest during the summer in the new land they had planted and worked hard and the indians came in and helped them the native americans i should say came in and helped them and they had their first thanksgiving together giving gratitude to god and they had turkeys wild turkeys and they had their potatoes and they had all these dressings, which we still do today. We still eat that today, uh, all this time later. And remembering Thanksgiving and how that came together. Maybe this is your uh, time, for be, time to be grateful. Uh, looking, did your football team play? Did you do it? Sitting on the couch, just relaxing and enjoying their time. 
but there is no U.S. Thanksgiving story in Scripture. Could you have guessed that? Because the Scripture had already been closed. And so there's no story of that written in Scripture. That's too bad. It would have been nice, wouldn't it? To have that story there. So we have to read history books to have it. But that does not mean, that does not mean that there's not thanks, gratitude, and, and rejoicing to be found in the great scriptures of the great grace of God. And it's important as we look at this, as we share this together, that we remember that they knew, the pilgrims knew, that when they landed and sustained through that, that it was God who had spared their lives. They recognized that if they had not gotten help from from the Native Americans, if they had not had God's blessing, they would have been wiped out. And so they came with grateful hearts to God. That's why Thanksgiving is wrapped up in praise to God, not just being thankful for one another, which is a good thing, but being thankful to God. That's why there's a religious and a spiritual thing to be said for Thanksgiving. So they did that, had their lives together. So that type, that type of gratitude is found in Scripture. That type is found. So I'd like to have you, if you would, go back with me to Exodus chapter 14. I want to go back to a passage that we have talked about before. I want to go back because I want to pick up something that's incredibly important. As we look at Exodus 14, it is the story of Moses and the Israelites as they had left and gone out of Egypt. If you recall, Moses and Aaron had gone in before Pharaoh and asked them if they could go off for three days to feast and to worship their God. And of course, Pharaoh said no. And the whole story you can read there of how this went. And eventually the plagues started happening. And the plagues went through the plagues. And each time Pharaoh, oh, go, go, go. And then he changed his mind. He said, no, you have to stay. And finally, the last plague went over. And that was that of the Passover and which they had to mark with blood on the door frame and they put up the blood and actually in the shape of, of a cross was it and they put the blood on there and then the passover angel would spare the lives of the firstborn if you're familiar with this story great if you're not you need to find out because it is a great story to know about so they had their great exodus and they led beginning with verse 9 if you would after they had left they woke up the egyptians said this is terrible we've lost our help the egyptians all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Phihavath and the opposite of Baal, Zephon. So they were captured, they were out there, they were there, and as they had come up to the Red Sea, the Lord led them to the Red Sea. And here came Pharaoh's army behind them. I don't know how you might have felt Slaves seeing Pharaoh's army coming with his chariots, the cloud of dust coming across the desert. And you were there with your family. You've got your children, you've got your belongings, you've got grandpa and grandma. You're making your way across the desert, you're traveling, you are nowhere prepared to fight. Nowhere to protect yourself. And here they're coming. In verse 10, and as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up. And there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. Well, they also complained to Moses, would you leave us out here to die in the desert? Is this what you're going to do with us? Is this how it's going to be? We're going to be slaughtered. 
It was a terrible thing to face. When you know intimately it's over and you're terrified, you're not protected, but here come Pharaoh and his army and they are armed to the teeth. They are ready. If you had skipped down to verse 13, Moses answered the people. Notice, do not be afraid. Stand still and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. And you only need to be still. Really. I mean, let's be real. I think if I had been there, I'd have been scared to death and running around and looking for a place to protect my family, and maybe we could scale, get away, slip away. Maybe there'd be some place we could run and hide, looking for anything, but you're out and you're trapped. And now Moses comes up. The solution to your problem and your panic is to be still. The Lord will fight for you. Do you think you'd be a doubter that day? Mm. This is one of the stories that my parents used to tell me as a child. I loved the story. And I remember, I hope you're passing these stories on to your children. The Bible encourages us to do that. Please do that. I remember being told this. And I remember that feeling that I had the feeling that I had when this story was told to me. And my dad emphasized to me how it might have felt knowing Pharaoh's army was coming. And you could see the cloud of dust. You could see them coming. Verse 15, then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying to me? Why are you crying to me? Tell the Israelites, move on. Where? Move on where? There's no place to go. We're trapped. We're up against the water. Big span of water. And we're not going to really be able to build rafts real quick. And we're not going to be able to have swimming lessons. And so what are we going to do? He says, move on, the Lord said. Raise your staff, the Lord said to Moses. And stretch out your hand over the sea. To divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on what? Did you see that? On dry ground. Ooh, on dry ground. So Moses, you raised the staff, which was a symbol of God's power. And a wind came, and the water split. And the wind came and dried out the water. Oh, now how would you feel? You're going to say, all right, I, I don't understand why the water is piled up on either side. And I'm supposed to walk across that. It's dry for the moment. And so they made their way because that's the only option left was to trust that God had opened the way for them and they made their way across. It was at night, if you read the story. They did it during the night. And they ran and they walked across. They took all their possessions and they crossed over the Red Sea. 
And they got out to the other side, and the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and their horsemen. And so Moses did that. And Pharaoh and his army were no more. I understand that they have done some archaeological studies and they think they have found the chariots that are in the bottom of the Red Sea. I think they have found them where this took place. I don't know. I haven't been there to tell you for the truth, but it's fascinating to verify that it happened. So Pharaoh's army was no more. Now you're standing on the shoreline. You've watched the waters come together, and Pharaoh, the enemy who is coming after you to destroy you, is gone. Poof. And you're standing holding your children's hands or your wife's hands or, or your family. You're huddled together. Got your flocks there. And you just saw that. Boom, gone. Totally gone. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians... The, Lord, uh, the people feared the Lord and put their, what, trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Wow. Wow, to see that happen. Wow. It would be incredible to read that and see that. And when I read that story, I go, that is incredible. I love that story. And usually that was the end of the story they would tell to me. Was that was an incredible experience. They were saved at the last moment. Saved at last. But if you go right into the next chapter, right into the next chapter, after they got right over, they just got over the Red Sea. And just as over they crossed. And if you look in Exodus 15, the story goes on just a little bit. And the story goes on to say, Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. They sang the song. Miriam wrote the song and they... They begin to sing. They begin to sing these words. And I'm only going to do part of it. You can look it up in chapter 15. But we will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. Both the horse and the rider, excuse me, and the driver have been buried into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God. And I will exalt him, the Bible says. And the Lord is a warrior. And the Lord is his name. Can you imagine that they were singing? If I were there in that avenue, I'd be singing at the top of my lungs. Great gratitude at the last moment I was saved. Like a brand from the burning, I'd been plucked out at the last moment, and the, the Lord saved them. He had a way. You see, the Lord has a thousand ways to solve our problem, of which we have never thought. And I never would have thought never would have thought to open the Red Sea and to walk across on dry land. Just not in my process. I would say make rafts, run like chickens, do whatever you're going to do, play dead. But no, he opened, he opened the way and they walked across on dry land. And no wonder they were rejoicing. No wonder they did that. You stretched out your right hand 
and the earth swallows your enemies. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. What a beautiful, the rest of the song is there. You can read that, it's amazing. They sang that song. It was a song of people who had been rescued, who had been redeemed, who had been saved at the last minute. No matter the tragedy that appeared that was going to happen, no matter what Pharaoh's army and all of his strength, the greatest army around, could do nothing against the hand of the Lord. It's a stunning story, I think. We know that song is called the Song of Moses. That's what's called in the scripture, the Song of Moses. And it's a beautiful thing to remember, beautiful thing to have. But my dear friends, that's not the only place the Song of Moses is mentioned. John, in the book of Revelation. Now this is my little memory trick. Exodus 15 and Revelation 15. Simple. Revelation 15. The song comes up again. The song is mentioned again. But this song, this song is called the Moses and the Lamb, and it said, and John reading and he's sharing with us, he's in vision, looking at the end of the world, and he said, I saw in heaven another great and marvelous sign, seven angels with the seven last plagues. Remember, they had just gone through the ten plagues in Egypt, and now John is saying, we're looking at the last seven plagues, last because they're the God's wrath is done, completed. Verse 2. And I saw that the, what looked like the sea of glass, glowing with fire and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and its image, they had harps given to them by God. And they sang the song of, look at, God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. Now we've added an element to it. Not only was it song of Moses, but also the song of the Lamb, the Redeemer. And they go on to sing this song, and you can read it there. Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, King of the nations. Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All the nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. The song of Moses is our song. The song of Moses and the Lamb is our song. It's not a song the angels will be able to sing, because they have never experienced what it's like to be redeemed and taken home at the last moment. That no matter the sin and destruction and the things of this world, there will be a coming of the Lord who will rescue us in more dramatic way than just opening the water and walking across on dry land. When he will open the sky and Jesus will descend and he will come. 
tell you, someday we're going to sing. And when we sing, when we sing, it will be our song of redemption. Just, just like Israel, as they stood there on the banks, just like them, as they stood there and saw what God had done for them and how they'd been redeemed, here, here, the end. When the Lord shall come. When the Lord shall come. We're going to sing. We're going to sing. You can learn the words there if you are getting ready to go. Learn the words. You can have it when you're all ready to sing. A melody would be easy, I'm sure. So our song, this is our song to sing. Our song. will be when Jesus will come. A lot of people spoof at that. Of course, a lot of people thought that Pharaoh was going to wipe out Israel. A lot of people. That was the going consensus. I'm sure that many say, this is over. It's over. We were fools to come out here. But then the Lord will come. And we're going to sing. Oh, my lands, we're going to sing. It'll be our song from the top of our lungs. We're going to sing a song of redemption and rejoicing. A song that will be truly ours because we have been saved at the last moment, the brand plucked from the burning for the very same reasons that Israel sang, we will sing. It will be the same thing. Lord, that is why we are grateful that is why this Thanksgiving is so meaningful to us. Because it points us to the time when you will come and take us home. And the song that we will sing will be that of Moses and the Lamb. And we'll rejoice that we've been rescued. Just like the pilgrims rejoiced that they had been rescued and landed safely and, and they survived, so we will sing that we have been rescued and that we have survived by your great grace and by your mercy. Lord, to your glory and to your honor. Amen.